This is The Space Shot, episode 361 for May 10th, 2018. Octawebs and V2s. I'm John Molnix. Earlier today, SpaceX had to scrub the launch attempt for the first Block 5 variant of the Falcon 9 due to an issue with a ground system auto-abort. The backup opportunity is tomorrow, Friday the 11th, at 4.14pm Eastern Daylight Time, so if you couldn't catch today's livestream, be sure to give it a watch tomorrow. The Block 5 has changes that include a new OctoWeb assembly that's bolted together instead of welded, allowing for easier inspection between flights. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but OctaWeb is one of the coolest sounding names for a piece of space hardware. It sounds like something you'd find in a James Bond movie. Thankfully, this assembly doesn't have a nefarious purpose. SpaceX notes that the, quote, OctaWeb structure of the nine Merlin engines improves on the former 3x3 engine arrangement. The OctaWeb is a metal structure that supports eight engines surrounding a center engine at the base of the launch vehicle. This structure simplifies the design and assembly of the engine section, streamlining our manufacturing process. Streamlining the manufacturing process is key to the success of SpaceX. Some of the other improvements for the Block 5 are new landing legs that can be retracted by ground crews, removing the need to take them off of the Falcon. There's new thermal protection systems that provide greater protection, and they don't need to be refurbished at the end of each flight. One of the other improvements that's flown a couple times on older Falcon 9s are the titanium grid fins. Titanium has a better resistance to heat than aluminum, so not having to refurbish a part that experiences a fair amount of heat during re-entry saves on one more thing that would have to be removed and refurbished before the next flight. Rapid reusability is central to the plans that SpaceX has for taking humans to low Earth orbit and beyond. The Block 5 is going to be a workhorse for the company for a while, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see this rocket start to fly. I've got one piece of space history for today for the last part of the episode. The United States launched a V-2 rocket on May 10th, 1946. This rocket reached an altitude of 70 miles before impacting on the desert floor and in the process creating a massive impact crater. In the book Pocket Full of Rockets, History and Stories Behind White Sands Missile Range, author Jim Eccles shares an excerpt from a GE, General Electric, technical report on the first successful V-2 launch at White Sands, which took place on May 10th in 1946. Quote, the appearance of the crater indicated a very high-velocity impact with no chemical explosion or fire following. It was estimated to be at least 30 feet in diameter at the top and 30 feet deep. The earth at this point consisted of a mixture of wet sand and gypsum rock. Many large boulders had been blasted out of the rock, a few being tossed as far as 50 or 60 feet from the crater, others falling back into the crater and sliding to the bottom. Some loose masses of wet sand and gypsum were thrown to great distances, perhaps as much as 500 feet. No parts of the rocket were to be found in the crater, although it is possible that some were buried under the boulders at the bottom. Most of the parts were found at distances up to 1,000 feet, the distribution being most dense at 1 to 300 feet and to the lee side of the hole. 
Altogether, a two-hour search netted only about 50 pounds of scrap parts. That's pretty crazy for a rocket that weighed about 8,500 pounds empty. There's not much material left from that impact. The destructive power of this rocket, even without explosives, is staggering. The kinetic energy required to create a massive impact crater is pretty astonishing. I shudder to think about the destructive capacity of this rocket had it been carrying a warhead. The speed at which the V-2 came back to Earth meant that you would have no warning if the missile were about to impact near you. There's an interactive map of V-2 impact sites that I'm linking to in the show notes that you should check out. I've seen a couple of V-2 rockets in various space museums across the United States. Two of those are the White Sands Missile Range Museum and, of course, the Cosmosphere. Knowing how many people died as a result of V-2 attacks, and how many more slave laborers died making these rockets, is a sobering reminder of the brutality of World War II. Tomorrow, we visit the Hubble Space Telescope for one last servicing mission, Atlantis and STS-125. Don't miss it. I hope all of you have a fantastic rest of your day. I appreciate each and every one of you that listen to the podcast every day. I'd be incredibly grateful if you could share the podcast with your friends and family. Tag one of them and let them know about your favorite episode. I'd also really appreciate it if you could venture into the Apple Podcasts app or your podcast app of choice and leave a review for The Space Shot. A steady stream of reviews helps ensure The Space Shot is more visible in the Apple Podcasts app. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or check out the links in the show notes and you'll find me. I'm John Molnix and I'll catch you on the flip side.